Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. So I, I have a problem, and I'm going to be honest enough and have the courage enough to admit it. Uh, it's a problem I keep hidden inside. Most people wouldn't know it. I, I, think, I think I'm pretty good at hiding it. And the problem is this, that I'm, I'm greedy. I used to just think that I was cheap, and that's true too. Lauren could testify to that. Um, but my nature deep inside, I'm realizing I, I'm greedy. I'm greedy. On most things, I don't like to spend money. And, and yes, okay, I can be accused of, of being cheap, but I get stressed a lot about money, and I realize that it's something deeper. There's actually a battle happening within my heart and within my mind when it comes to money, when it comes to stuff. And if you're new this morning and you're visiting and you think, man, your pastor is a terrible person, I promise you, I have a big heart. I love people. God has given me a heart for you, for, for people. Uh, just uh, this past week and a half ago, our pastor's we're gathering, and we were praying. We're, we're in a season of 40 days of prayer, and we were praying for you. And, and I was just overcome with emotion uh, at praying for you and the needs within our church. And I was weeping, weeping uh, because of the burden that I felt. So I promise you, I, I'm not a cold-hearted individual. God has given me a big heart. But I, I just want to acknowledge today, I want to acknowledge today that there's an opposing force at work in my heart at times, too. Because while I have this heart that cares so much for others, I also have this part of my heart that is obsessed with this fear of not having enough. Of not having enough. The what if, what if I don't have enough? Or the feeling of, I don't, I don't have enough. It's this creeping anxiety. I'm not enough, there won't be enough. And I think that's where greed is born. Beneath the surface, in the places of my life you may never see and I don't want you to see, that's, that's the places that keep me from being generous. As generous as I want to be, but really as generous as the Lord would want me to be. The struggle with greed is real. It's real in my heart more times than I want to admit. But I, I know today I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one, am I? Uh, Jesus had a lot to say about greed because he knew how destructive it is in our lives. He knew, he knew that it gets ingrained into our hearts and mind, that we allow it to exist in our hearts. We excuse it. We even use, at times, the gospel, the truth of God to fuel our greed. That's how pervasive it is in our lives, and that's why Jesus spoke often about how toxic, how damaging greed can be. We're in a series, you can see on the screen, we're in a series called The Tough Sayings of Jesus because the truth is Jesus said some tough things. And sometimes in my life, sometimes I need to hear the words that's not just that I want to hear, but that I need to hear. 
And this is that kind of a series. We're, we're leaning into the words of Jesus. These are his words. His words spoken thousands of years ago, but these are the words that are still speaking today, and they're tough words. And our goal is not to somehow make these easier for us to stomach, to not make them more palatable for us, but to look and understand these are hard words, but they're words that we need today, right now, in our lives. And today, Jesus has some tough things to say about greed. For me... These are not words that I often want to hear, but words that I need to hear. And as your pastor today, these are words that I want you and need you to hear. So turn with me. We're in Matthew chapter 6. Again, these are the words of Jesus. We're reading right out of the red letters as we journey towards Easter, as we journey towards the cross. We're spending time week after week reading the words of Jesus. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today, uh, verses 19 to 24. This is the word of the Lord, and these are the words of Jesus today. It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so what's the big deal Jesus why does it matter to you Jesus why does it matter to you what kind of treasures we store up and accumulate well Jesus is making a really important connection here he's making the connection between your stuff and your heart The stuff you possess, the stuff you accumulate, the treasures that you store up, and your heart. For Jesus, those two are deeply connected. They're linked together. Our heart, our passion, our focus, our pursuit is directly linked to what we treasure. He continues, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then... The light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? And then Jesus really nails it down here, doesn't he? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Look again at these tough words of Jesus. Read that last uh, sentence with me Uh, again right there. You cannot serve, Jesus said, both God and money. The reason Jesus tells us that we cannot serve two masters, God and money, is because we're liable to fall into the trap of thinking that we can. Of thinking that we can serve God and serve money. Of thinking that we can somehow counterbalance these things in our life to say, Jesus is Lord, but, but so is my stuff. So is that next promotion. So is my bank account and my possessions and my accolades. Trying to serve both God and greed is impossible. You will love one. You will despise the other. The implication here is not that if you love money, you'll be indifferent towards God. The implication is that if you love money, you will hate God. You'll despise him. That's the implication. Why? Because you can't love both. You can't serve both. You can't allow both to be Lord of your life. 
Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. It kind of begs the question, what does it look like to serve money? What does it look like to serve possessions? Several scholars weighed in. I find their insights helpful. Uh, John Rittenbaugh describes this, service of money. He describes it as a ruthless self-seeking an arrogant assumption that others and things exist for my own benefit. New Testament scholar William Barclay describes it as an accursed love of having. It's a good way to describe it, isn't it? An accursed love of having, of getting, of wanting, which will pursue its own interests with complete disregard for the rights of others, even the considerations of common humanity. This is the mindset of what Englishman Thomas Fuller was speaking of when he said, he is not poor who doesn't have much, but who wants much. He is not poor who doesn't have much, but who wants much. True poverty, then, is this ruthless self-seeking, this accursed love of having, serving money. Serving greed really is the true definition of poverty. So again, we've done this some throughout our series, but as we analyze and investigate these tough words of Jesus, and we're really asking the question, what does this mean? It's important to acknowledge what it doesn't mean. And so today, I want to acknowledge, what is, what is Jesus not saying here? Is Jesus saying that all Christians should be poor? Well, no, I don't think that's true at all, because if we look throughout the complete story of God, we see plenty of men and women. Uh, Abraham, he, he was wealthy. He had a lot. God entrusted him to be one of the, the patriarchs, the leaders of the faith. God used his lineage to bring about blessing to the children of Israel. Moses was a prince of Egypt. David was a famous king. Even in the early church, the church leader Lydia, she was a wealthy businesswoman. So Jesus here is teaching about our attitudes towards money, not about the numbers in our checking account. You know what? Jesus didn't say, listen, this is important. Jesus didn't say blessed are the poor. He didn't say that. Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit. That's what it says in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who fully realize their hopelessness apart from me. That's what Jesus said was saying. So as we look at what these tough words mean, it's important to acknowledge what they don't mean. Jesus wasn't speaking about our economic status in the Beatitudes. He was talking about the status of our hearts. What about the rich young ruler, you might say? What, what about him? It's easy to call to mind that interaction. Doesn't that mean, doesn't that mean that, that rich people won't go to heaven? Well, it's an interesting question because by the world standards, you and I are rich compared to many in the world today. But if you keep reading that story of the rich young ruler, Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. The point of the story wasn't wealth. The point of the story was the need for everyone to depend on God for salvation, not their wealth, their material possessions. This is what it comes down to. This is what it comes down to, the truth of what Jesus is saying in these tough words. I have it on the screen behind me. We can have stuff, but our stuff can't have us. That's a very oversimplified way of putting it. But as I think about the truth of what Jesus said when he talked about our treasures, our possessions, this is really what he's saying. You can have stuff, 
You can have things, but your things can't have you. Your possessions cannot possess you. He must have our hearts. He must be our Lord. You cannot serve God in money. You cannot say that he's Lord and allow those things, that pursuit of more and more and more to be Lord of your life. Andy Stanley, Pastor Andy Stanley says that greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. That's why Jesus speaks these tough words, because he cares about our hearts. And he knows this about me, and he knows this about many of us in the room, that if you really want to get to my heart, you've got to get to the things that I treasure. You've got to get to the things that I hold on to, sometimes too tightly. Because once, once I surrender those things, then the Lord really has my heart. That's why Jesus spoke tough words. Paul understood this. He was writing to Timothy on the screen behind me. First Timothy 6. What does he say? The love of money. Not money is the root of evil. The love of money. This greed, this reckless accumulation of stuff, this having more and more and more, this insatiable appetite towards money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, Paul said, have wandered from the faith and pierced, pierced themselves with many griefs. It's a good description of what greed can do in our lives, isn't it? The love of money. What did Jesus say? You can't serve God and serve money. It's all around us, right? We see it. The pursuit of more, more, more. The temptation to believe. Some of us, we are tempted to believe that more will make us happy. That bigger house will be better. All of that, right? That is ingrained into who we are and what we think. And the truth is we have to be on guard against this mentality. I, in my life, I have to be on guard against greed in my heart and mind on a regular basis. That's why Jesus said in, in Luke 12, be on guard against all kinds of greed. So how do we do that? What does that look like? If you're sitting here today and maybe... We can have like our secret club later. You don't really want to acknowledge that you feel like I do, but, but we, we, you, you, like me, would admit that sometimes you struggle with this idea of greed. Maybe you feel like these words of Jesus are convicting, but you're like, well, what do we do? What do we do? Well, I believe it, it, it starts with being intentional. It starts with being aware, guarding our hearts and minds. But I want to suggest one way. I think it's the best way that you and I can specifically guard against greed in our hearts and in our lives. One proactive way that we can guard against this mentality taking over in our hearts to ensure that we're not allowing greed to be Lord of our lives. And the one way is this, that we give, that we give. I can't think of a better way in my life to counteract the attachment to material things than to give stuff away. <laughs> Again, I don't want to admit it, but sometimes I really, I hold on tight to my stuff. I don't want to share my stuff with others. I don't want to give my stuff away. I like my stuff. And that's mine. I'm like a kid, you know, with my stuff. So what's the best way for me to counteract that mentality, that heart that I don't believe honors the Lord and actually pulls me away from him? It's to find ways to give things away. 
to bless others with the things that I have. I believe in giving to others, giving to my neighbors, giving to my community, giving to my enemies. We talked about that in week one of our series, didn't that, that call to love our enemies. But, but most importantly, above all of those ways, I believe in giving to God. Giving to the Lord for me is the number one way that I counteract this mentality of greed, this mindset, this heart issue of greed in my life. I want to highlight for, for a minute, and, and I'll, I'll use the screen behind me in a minute to, to show, three specific things that happen in our lives when we give to the Lord. I think this is really important. When we give to the Lord, first of all, it's a statement of our, in, in our lives, it's a statement of gratitude. It's a statement of gratitude. When I give to the Lord, I, I, I'm making a statement. That I'm grateful. Grateful for what? Well, again, what does greed say? Greed says, I don't have. I still need. I still want. Greed shows us all of the things that we're lacking. So when we give back to God, we're pushing, uh, pause button on that. We're pushing back against that. And we're declaring emphatically, Lord, there's some things I don't have. But I'm going to choose in this moment to be grateful for what I do have. I'm going to be grateful for what you have done. I'm going to be grateful for what you have provided. I'm going to stop for a minute focusing on all the things I still want and need. And instead, I'm going to be grateful for what I do have. Even if there are things I lack, even if there are things that I want, when I give, it's a statement of gratitude to God that I'm grateful it's hard for my mind to stay fixated on greed when my heart is grateful. That's true in my life. I believe it's true in yours. Next, when I give back to God, when I give to him, it's a statement of priority. Don't miss this because this is what Jesus said, right? Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So, so what we do with our stuff says something about our priorities, so when I give to God, it's a statement of priority. What's important in my life? My giving is an indication of what I value. You, you know that. You know that because that's true in other areas of your life. Other things that you support, other ways that you give. You give to causes or organizations or things that matter to you. You understand that. Well, when we give back to God, we're saying, God, you're the priority in my life. You are Lord of my life. And it's easy for me to allow temporary things in front of me to be important and for those things to become the important focus. But when I give, I'm making a, a commitment that, God, you are the priority. You are Lord. You are Lord. Finally, when I give, I'm making a statement of faith. Faith that says, ultimately, God, you are Lord. I'm trusting in you. I can't trust in my stuff. I can't trust in the things that I can do alone. I've seen the things that I can do, and it always lets me down. And so it's not really about my stuff at all. It's not really about what I can earn and what I can do and what I can accumulate. You, you are Lord. And when I give, it's, it's, a, it's a statement of faith that, Lord, I trust you. You have been faithful, and you are faithful, and you will be faithful. I put my faith in you. What's fascinating, as you look at these three ideas on the screen, it's really interesting that it speaks to the past, present, and future, doesn't it? When I give, I make a statement of gratitude. Thank you, God, for what you've done. When I give, I make a statement of priority. God, thank you, uh, or God, you're what's most important to me today. You're my priority right now. And when I give, 
I make a statement of faith, God, I trust you with my future. Anytime I talk about money, and again, these are Jesus' words, but bear with me for a minute. Anytime I talk about money, it sucks all the air out of the room, doesn't it? Nobody get up. Nobody have to go to the bathroom, please. You know, you know, nobody, nobody look at anyone. Nobody, I, I get it. So exhale for a minute, okay? But, but anytime, and, and I, I assure you, if you're new or visiting, this is not our weekly topic. You won't hear me talk about this uh, again and, until the Lord asks me to. It's important, but this is not a topic that I have any joy in preaching to you about, except that Jesus said it. And it's not maybe the words that we always want to hear, but it's the words I need to hear and we need to hear. But I want to acknowledge some tensions that we sometimes feel. And, and so when I come up here and start talking about money, there's some tensions that we want to unpack. And so I want to unpack one of them, one maybe big giant elephant in the room that we might feel when someone like me would come up and talk about this. And so I want to begin with this. I don't want your money. This church... We do not want your money. Now, wait a second, Pastor, because I know you, you're going to get up there and you're going to invite us to give and we have all the ways that we can give. And Yeah, we believe in giving. But if you think for a second that the church board was like, okay, Adrian, we're looking at the budget. You better get up there and you better preach a little bit about money because we need to get the... You are so wrong. So wrong. That's not my heart and that's not my intent. If your response today is you're responding to what God does and what he's doing, and it doesn't mean you give anything to this local church, man, bless you. Trust the Lord. Serve him. That's not what this is about for me. Then what is it about? Well, we have a mission. We have a mission as a church. I try to talk about it often enough that you know it, that it's ingrained in your heart and your mind. But in case you're new, in case you haven't heard, our mission as a church is that we are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. We truly believe that through the power of God, through his love, he transforms us in such a way that we make a real difference in the world around you. And we can all agree, we can all agree that the world around us is saturated with greed. We can all agree that our culture, everywhere we look, is a me, me, me mentality, right? Look out for number one. And we see that everywhere around us. And we believe that the love of God poured out into our hearts causes us to live differently. It causes us to extend compassion. It causes us to live graciously, not with a me-first mentality, right? So what does it look like when the people of God who have been transformed by God come together and choose to live differently. Choose not to operate by the culture and the standards around us. Choose not to be fueled by what fuels everybody else around us. What does that look like? I believe it looks like a people who choose, I'm using that word intentionally, choose to be generous. Not some duty, not some obligation, not some pastor beat me over the head with the Bible so I better do it. But people who have been so transformed by the love of God poured out into our hearts that we want to be generous people. We, we want to make a difference in the world around us in such a way that we are generous people. And the truth is this morning that if you wrestle with greed like me, but if you're determined today not to be generous, you will be miserable in this church. 
And it's not going to be because I follow you home and ask you to give. It's not going to be because I show up at your work with an offering plate. It's not none of that. It's because the people that you're sitting with today, long before I showed up here 15 years ago, the people of this church are so committed to the love of Christ poured out in their lives that they are just generous people. It's who they are. And so if you don't want to be that way, if you want to draw a hard line and push back against that, you will be miserable at this church because the people around you love being that way. They love giving. They love serving. They actually love sacrificing for the needs of others. If you don't believe me, listen to the stories. Listen to the stories of sacrifices that happened. Where we are sitting today, the property that we're sitting on, the building that we're surrounded by, was provided by God's provision and people's obedience to faithfully give. I texted last night uh, my pastor, Pastor Kerry Willis, who pastored this church for 24 years. He's in the Holy Land. I think still right now, I probably woke him up in the middle of the night with my text, but he responded. It's probably jet lagged beyond belief, but, but this is what he said. I asked him, Gary, just tell me, because I know a few stories, but tell me about this idea of generosity. Because when I showed up here 15 years ago, it was already just a part of who we were. And I got to see some things. I got to experience some things. But, but I asked him to share. And so I'm going to read you. It's just a paragraph. Uh, I asked him to just share about generosity. He said this, generosity sprang up from a sense of pure gratitude among us. There was a deep sense that holy God was inviting us to partner with him in his eternal work. We were so humbled that he would choose to work his miracles through the likes of us. The lyrics of two of our theme songs in those early days came to mind. We must be a light for future generations. And may all who come behind us find us faithful. Early on, we decided that because God's name was faithful, our name would be grateful. Therefore, the fragrance of generosity arose among us as people truly uh, and it became our identity. Giving sacrificially and obediently and cheerfully became as natural to us, church family, as breathing. You hear that? For 24 years, he pastored this church and he said, generosity for us became as natural as breathing. And so the, the property that we're sitting on today, people committed and sacrificed and gave generously from their hearts so that the ministry that we're enjoying right now could happen. In 2008, there was a recession. I joined our staff in 2008. Maybe it was my fault, right? But there was a recession that was impacting a lot of our people. So how did we respond as a church? Not by hunkering down and holding on to our stuff more. No, we started having more offerings, more opportunities to give. We started a drummer boy fund that Christmas where we just wanted to find tangible ways to meet needs in our church family and beyond. And today, you know if you've been showing up, the legacy of that offering continues. It's the biggest offering that we take every year. Tens of thousands of dollars. We don't keep any of it for us. We distribute it all into needs, into our community, into people. And that's you. That's the people of the church being generous because they believe that the love of God has made such an impact of their life and they don't want to hold on to their stuff. They want to give it away. They want to find ways to serve and love others. But what about in February of 2020? Fast forward a few years. I was standing right here. I wasn't here. I was there. I was standing right here in February of 2020 as we launched uh, the vision to have a new campus, 
of our church. Maybe you don't know, we're a multi-campus church that uh, you, you met Pastor Sam. He uh, pastors our Esperanza Viva campus, which uh, worships in Spanish every week right here in this building at 1145. We have a, a campus uh, now today out in East Rock, but in 2020, God birthed that idea in our pastors and our leaders of what if God could be doing something in the Elkton community. And so February, 2020, we still had debt on this building. And we had this vision to launch a new campus. And so we had $70,000 left on our mortgage. It was once over $4 million. We had $70,000 left. And so we came together that night. We had a special gathering and just said, hey, we believe God's called us to do this. And we invited you to pray and we invited you to respond. In 30 days, the mortgage was paid off, which happened to be six days before COVID came in and shut everything down in our community. So our mortgage was paid off. And in six months, six months during a global pandemic, during a time where we had trouble, we were trying to be creative to gather and figure out we could never even take a physical offering. In six months, the Lord provided more than enough to launch a campus that today, right now, in this moment, is meeting in that Elkton community and thriving. Why? Because people in this church wanted to be generous. It wasn't about what do I have to do it wasn't about what is God, what do I have to do? Okay, God. I'll do. No, it's just a heart overflowing with generosity. And maybe some people didn't have a lot. They just gave what they had. And maybe other people, they did have a lot and they gave what they had. But God has blessed it. And so I can't stand here this morning as a part of this church and not tell you that our DNA is to be generous because God, we believe that every good and perfect gift in our lives is from him. Everything I have, I, I can't take anything I have with me. That when I breathe my last breath, nothing I have gets to come with me, right? So it's all on loan to me. And so I want to be a steward of what God has entrusted to me. And so any way that I can, I want to be generous. I want to be generous. And that's who we are as a church. Some of you, it's okay. You can nod. You've been here a while. You know. It's okay that we believe in being generous. Not because we have to. Because we get to be. We get to be. As I was looking past on some of the history and some of the things that God has done, this is a statement that I wrote down, and I can't take credit for it because I don't think it was mine. But I wrote this down. This really touched me last night when I found it. It says, when you have seen God do the impossible, no sacrifice seems unreasonable. That's the story of our church. We've seen God do impossible things. And so we just have a heart that says, God... We'll obey you. We'll trust you. God's not asking for what I don't have, but what I have, God, I'll be generous. I'll be generous. The band's coming. We're going to close in just a minute. We're going to spend some time worshiping. We're going to spend time talking to God because this is ultimately Jesus' word for us. So let's talk to him about it. Lord, today, ask yourself. Ask yourself. Ask the Lord. Lord, am I living a generous life? Am I storing up for myself treasures in heaven? Or, like me, is that temptation for greed, is that heart, that mindset of mine, 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 too prevalent? Are you trying in your life to serve God and stuff? Jesus said that's impossible. And so today, how will you respond? A message like this is so personal. <laughs> So personal. Your finances are so personal to you. The issue of greed is so personal to you that I, 
I really can't even tell you how to respond. Except, I've made a decision in my life that I don't want to just listen to the word. I want to obey. I don't want to just read the tough words of Jesus and then walk out unchanged. I want to respond in obedience. And so that's, that's my invitation to you today. Does God have your heart? And if the answer is yes, praise the Lord. Celebrate that. Worship him today. Ask him to just come and use your life in these days for his glory. But if you sense any part of you today that can't say yes to that question, as we sing and as we worship, Ask the Lord to come and show you. Ask him to reveal in you what it is that you're holding on to. And make a commitment today. Today. Say, God, you alone are Lord. Nothing else. No one else. I will not cling to anything else but you because you're Lord. Would you stand now? I want to pray for you and pray with you today. Father, I pray today for my brothers and sisters. We desire as a church to be generous because we believe that's who you are. You are a generous God. And so, God, I do pray today in our hearts and in our minds, we would have a mindset. We would have a heart surrendered to loving people generously, giving generously, sacrificing for others. That's what happened in the early church. People sacrificed and gave for others. Lord, do that in our hearts. I, I don't know what it looks like in our hearts, and, and I'm asking your Holy Spirit now to come and move and speak to individuals in this room. Come and show us, Lord, if there's anything in our hearts today that does not please you, because we want to serve you alone. We don't want to serve you and our stuff. We don't want to try to be living uh, this double-minded life where we say that you're Lord, but we live as if other things are. Today, we choose in faith to say, you are Lord. So show us, God. Show us what that means. Teach us to be generous. Show us how not just to be hearers of your word, but to be doers in response. We love you. Be with us now as we worship. Speak to us. Encourage us. Show us your truth. Invite us, Lord, to respond in obedience, we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.